Let's first take a quick look at the mitzvahs in the parasha. Number of mitzvahs. Pasha Sekev. Shlo lehenos mitzipui b'tachshitin is a prohibition not to derive benefit from the embroidery or, or the uh, coverings that adorn shikashtu behem lavodos kochavim, idolatry. So any type of beautification of idolatry is prohibited, even though it wasn't worshipped, but it adorns the idol, we cannot derive any benefit from it. Shenemai lo sachmur kesev is allowed. As the verse says, we cannot uh, desire the silver and gold that is upon it. Another mitzvah, we're not allowed to cleave or connect in any manner to idolatry. Or those that are in the service of the idolatry, even if it isn't the actual idol, but the altar of the idol, for example, something like that. The offering to the idol. Anything that is related to the idol in order to derive benefit from it. Sarah says, do not bring an abomination into your home. We have a, a prohibition to derive any benefit from the idol. The Bedichever explains on this verse, it's not the Pshadna verse, but it's a remez, that what is called a toevo, not just a varzara, but anyone who is possessed of gaiva, of haughtiness. A person shouldn't bring it into his own house, into himself. A person should strive to develop humility within themselves. And we should view haughtiness, the way God views haughtiness, as an abomination. Where the haughty go, there's no room for God. The challenge of idolatry, just going on these last two mitzvahs, the first two mitzvahs in the parasha, it's, it's something that often seems remote to many people today's day and age. Idolatry, what's, what's the big deal? I personally do find it a, ch- a challenge, I'll admit it. It's, uh, I'll give you an example. It's a, piece of music I find exceptional but the lyrics unfortunately why did Mozart have to choose in his requiem to mention that guy Osoish it's disgusting what do you do you ruin that piece of music what are you gonna do <laughs> okay so don't want to drive any benefit from something that is tainted with idolatry there's a story. Somebody came in to Siddiq Rebbe. And he said, Rebbe, I have a problem. You know, and I, I keep on having this crazy desire to go into the church. Said, what? He says, I know, it's, it's so crazy. I, where's this coming from? Machshava Zaros. Strange thoughts. So the Rebbe said, no, they're not strange thoughts. They're coming from within. <laughs> he said, 
How are you benefiting from the idol? Benefiting from the idol? What are you talking about? It says you, you must be benefiting from the idol. If you feel drawn after it, it must be that you're deriving benefit from it. There's no other way. You racked his brains. I, I can't think of it. He says. So the Rebbe was a pikeach, a smart man. He said, how do you set your watch? He said, I, actually, when the bells chime at the church, that's how I set my watch. He said, exactly. He said, you are deriving benefit from, indirectly, from the idol. It's drawing you. You need to cut it off. You need to not derive anything from the idol. Continue in the mitzvahs over here. Levorich birkas alechem, achar chilas alechem. There's a mitzvah to bench after eating bread. Ketesvir after we've eaten to satiation. Shneimar, as the verse states, the end of the first aliyah. Vechalto v'sabato v'irachto es Adonai lecho. This is a major mitzvah in the Torah. Every mitzvah is major, but this one is. A huge mitzvah. What are the parameters of this mitzvah? That's a, a subject of, of great debate. It's considered a little bit. It says three stages. And you shall eat, and you shall be satisfied, satiated, and you shall bless. How much of that is necessary for the obligation? Mekiveger speaks about it in Shulchan Aruch. Achaim, Kofevav, Sefez. He asks a question. He says, what happens if a bar mitzvah yingle, right before the bar mitzvah, is eating at the, uh, the spread that they're providing, Bo Bayom, and he got full, towards the end of the afternoon, before he actually turned by mitzvah. Turning by mitzvah that night. He was full. And then he vanished. And now, night comes. Boom. He's a bar mitzvah bachet. Chayv mitzvahs. So he ate when he was 12. He was satisfied when he was 12. And he benched when he was 12. Now, he's still full after eating and being satisfied, but now he's by mitzvah. Does the benching when he was 12 count for the now bar mitzvah bacher? Or does he have to bench again? Because he ate and was full. Maybe that's not enough when he benched when he was 12. Meaning, to speak out the question, does the Achila and Svia, are those just leading up to the mitzvah of Uve Rachta, and you shall bless? Or is the whole thing necessary as a Achilik of what, what the mitzvah is, meaning that the Achila and the Svia have to be of a Bar Chiyuva, of somebody who is obligated not just the result of eating and being satiated. And Rabbi Kiyavik, he's actually not 
Machriya. It doesn't give a psak. doesn't give a, a conclusion on this question. Tzarachian. What, what are the parameters of this mitzvah? It's a major question. Are women obligated to bench? Midaraisa. Is it a biblical requirement or just rabbinic for women? So this, the Gemara, Dafchafim Beis, in Brachos, raises as a question. According to most Roshonim, it is not resolved. I think it's most Roshonim. And it would seem to be a suffix, a matter of doubt. Women are biblically obligated after having eaten and been satisfied after their meal. Are they required to do Bekas Muslim, biblically or rabbinically? And there's a major nafkamina, huge difference between them. If someone is not sure if they benched, there's a suffix. The general rule is suffix, daraisa lahachmer. One has to be stringent if they're not sure. And suffix darabanan lahakel. If it's only a rabbinic requirement, and there's a case of doubt, so we'll go lenient. That's one example of a difference. And another example would be: Can a woman? was eaten and been satisfied and she needs to bench for sure Durabana. it's a rabbinic requirement at the least can she help a man discharge his obligation who also ate and is satisfied and he needs to bench Daraisa for, for him it's definitely biblical so this this would be another nafkamina if she's only required rabbinically she will not be able to help him fulfill his biblical obligation so to, to, if she says it for him and he and she she says the blessing and he answers Amin or has in mind even, it's not ma'akib, it's not necessary to even answer Amin, just listening with the intent to fulfill the obligation. She's trying to help him and he's trying to fulfill through listening. He should answer Amin, but that's it's not actually even necessary the, the letter of the law. So the Gemara later on in Baruch Islam in Ham and Aleph discusses a more general question of blessings. How do we know that there's an obligation to make blessings? We, we have one biblical blessing that is explicit in this week's Pasha. After eating and being satisfied, one has to bench, make Birkas Muslim. Mind you, one of the requirements for that is a machlokas roshonim. The Bahag says it applies to any of the seven fruits of Israel. Basically, it goes back and forth. What is the opinion of the Ramam? It's a little bit more obscure what the Ramam holds. He's noted, he, he thinks that the Ramam just holds five grains, but it's not so clear in the Ramam. The Rabbeinu Manoach on the Ramam says... Five grains, kiyotsebo, things that are like that, also a type of grain that satiates. So according to Rabbeinu Noah, somebody has a huge bowl of rice, gets full. There would be a biblical obligation to make that grain of hashas, presumably. That, that would be the bracha. We have many brachas, almost all of them are rabbinic 
in terms of their obligation that, that we have to make them. And the Gemara, in the beginning of the sixth chapter of Brochus, discusses the derivation of this obligation, and it brings a svara. Gemara says this is a rational, logical thing. It's called the Gemara says on the Aleph, if there's an obligation to make a blessing when one is satisfied, which is what the Torah tells us, if he's hungry, all the more so he should have to express his gratitude to God, his, his overture to God through blessing. If you have to say thank you when you're full, so you should for sure have to say please when you're hungry. It's a svara. Now, a svara is a very powerful thing. Mar says, if it's a svara, what do you need a verse for? Svara is serious business. Is it biblical over here? We certainly don't treat it as biblical. As I mentioned, sofik brachos, lahakel, is the general rule. It's treated all as rabbinic. But the Gemara says it's a svara. How could a person derive benefit if you have to make the blessing afterwards, for sure, before? And that is within the framework, it's a little bit technical without getting into the Gemara, according to the opinion, according to one opinion in the Gemara, that will only be true for things that are subject to Birkas HaMozom. But what about other things? Things that no matter how much you have, the, the nature of the food is not going to be subject to Birkas HaMozom. Tenach, kol dov devarnetia, the labarnetia, but something that is not planted. If you go on Balsar, Beitzim, Adogim, meat, eggs, fish, Minole, how do we not have to make a blessing over them? Ela svarahu, another svara, rational. Alser lo adam shihena mina olam hazeb labracha. It's prohibited for a person to derive benefit from this world without first making a blessing. It's a svara. So two svaras we have over here. The Meshechachma asks why we don't treat this as a deoraisa. These seem to be svaras darabonon. In a practical sense, we do not treat it as biblically binding. And he says that the kalvachomer, which is from the Yudgim Omidos, we go with kalvachomer. So, if you, why don't you have to make hamotzi? If you were not sure, did you make, did you make a hamotzi or not? You didn't make a hamotzi. Why don't you say you have to make a bracha? We don't say that. Skip it. If you're not sure, skip the hamotzi. So he explains that there's a pircha on the kalvachom. The blessing that we make afterwards, that the Torah requires us to do, is by definition offered up in a state of satiation. In fact, if a person goes past sheer equal, they're no longer full, they miss the window of opportunity to fulfill this mitzvah. The blessing must come from a state of satiation. And that is exactly, says the Meshachachma, the point of weakness. If we look in this week's parasha, 
where is the risk of a person losing his visceral sense of connection to God is when he's full. When he has everything, the illusion of total independence, he can forget God. And that is the moment that we are biblically required to reach out and say, we're not forgetting you, God. Thank you. We know this comes from you. But that's not the case when a person is ravenously hungry and they want to make a hamotzi. So yes, if you say thank you, for sure you have to say please. But the context of the thank you is where one is in danger of forgetting God. Whereas in the please, that's not the risk. So it's a pircha on the kavachomer. It's not a real kavachomer. It's not a biblical kavachomer that is actually binding. It's it's a derabanan kavachomer, if you will. It's a rabbinic requirement, phrased, couched in the terms of kavachomer. So the svara itself is essentially one of the acharis. Right. That's another very important point is that even if you want to say it's Daraisa, and there, the Pnei Yeshua does learn that it's Daraisa, and it's a Svar Daraisa, the Tzlach asks if it's a Svar Daraisa, so then Goyim should have to bench. They have seven mitzvahs. We never heard that Goyim have to bench or make any brachas. If these Svaras are really binding, God gave all of humanity intellect, we're all equally bound to use our gifts and use our minds. And if that's what a straight-thinking person is required to do, we should have to include Goyim in the obligation to bench, make all brachas, perhaps. And that lo shamana, that's that is not something we've ever encountered. Bukhar the Pnei Yeshua would respond that it is a Daraisa Svara, but not on the level of mitzvah. It's a level of chova. Not everything you have to do is a mitzvah. There are certain things you have to do, misvara, that you got to do them. But it doesn't make it a mitzvah. What is the difference between mitzvah and chova? Mitzvah is a command. It is a unique vehicle. Command means there's a commander telling you, I want you to do this. <clears throat> that confers kedusha, sanctity, to the one who is commanded by fulfilling the command. The person has more mitzvahs, he's more kadosh. God is addressing that person more, and that person has a potential to become holier by fulfilling that command, connecting himself to God through the command. There are other things a person must do, not because of a command, because they got to do it. The Seichel Yasha says, you got to do this. Like you said, derech eretz. person has to have derech eretz doesn't confer kedusha. It's using what God gave you, which a person's got to do. He, he's bound to it, but it does not confer kedusha. So, Lechera, the Pnei Yeshua would say, yes, it's not part of Sheva Mitzvah's Noach. It doesn't confer kedusha, but it's something that is appropriate, and even to a degree, you could say, binding on a person to some level or another, to the degree that the Svara is accepted on a biblical sense, it's, it's a full-fledged svara, but it will not confer kedusha as a mitzvah. The Gemara over here continues 
to speak out a little bit more. On the top of Lamed Hema Beis, Amr Bichanino Bar Papa Kol Anena Melom Hazeb Lo Brocha Kilu Gozol Kash Baruchu Knesses Yisrael. Anyone who derives benefit from this world without first making the blessing, it is as though he has stolen from the Holy One, Blessed Be He. And Knesset Yisrael is the, the Jewish people. Shneamar, Gozel Avi V'imo, Amrein Pesha, Chavar Hu Le'ish Mashchis. Pasuk in one who steals from his father and mother and says, there is no guilt or sin here, he is a friend of a destructive man. And the interpretation in Avi V'ela Baruch who is his father, the Holy One, Blessed Be He, and his mother, an Imo Ella Knesset Yisrael, who is a Mashchis, who is a, fr- a friend of a Mashchis, Rabbi Chinina Bar Papa explains, he's a friend of Yerav Benavat, Shehishchis Has Yisrael Avim Shabashamayim. Not very good company. He's a friend of Yerav Benavat. Terrible. One of the most wicked kings in Jewish history. Rabbi Kivayegar asks, why is he considered stealing from Knesset Yisrael? Because I understand he's stealing from God. It's God's world. And it's also the Anos, Melam God wants you to derive benefit from this world. He's giving it to you, but he wants you to recognize him through the creation. That is, in a very broad picture, what we're supposed to be doing in this world. God created for His glory. What does that have to do with Knesset Yisrael? So Rebbe explains that in as much as that is the tafkid, God wants to be mated. He wants to give good through His creation. And the vehicle of that is by our connecting to Him through that gift. The foundation of our service of God, as the Chovos Lohavos explains, we're not volunteering to do God a favor. We are serving Him out of necessity. We owe Him everything. When we express our gratitude, Hoda means to admit, to acknowledge indebtedness. That is really the foundation of our service on an individual level, on a national level. We talk about it all over the place in Chomish. God took us out of Egypt. Us being indebted to God is the baseline obligation. And we become indebted to him when we recognize that the good that he's giving is, us is coming from him. We, we need to recognize that. And in order to help God, as it were, fulfill his desire, which is to be mative, to do good. So we need to express that gratitude. When we express that gratitude, the channels of blessing are widened. Rikki Vegar says, one who doesn't make the blessing is ruining it for other people. Stealing from Knesset Yisrael, from the Jewish people, 
because that person, by deriving benefit from this world and not recognizing God for the blessings that he has received, is harming the Jewish people in our larger mission of recognizing God and bringing more blessings to fulfill his will. He wants to be made it. He wants to do good. He wants to bestow his kindness on us. It's not just stealing from God. It's also stealing from Knesset Yisrael. Okay, so let's get back to the question about women. Are women obligated in Birkat Muslim or not? So, Rashi brings down, Noshim, Birkat Muslim the Raisa. The verse states, Our parasha, Chalta, Vesavata, Beirachta, Havili Mitzvah, Asei, She'ein Hazman Groma. It's a positive command that is not time-bound. A person can eat when it's convenient for them, day or night, get full, bench. Although it's a positive command, it's not time-bound, women should be in. That is the, the default. But the Gemara says that's not so clear. Oh, dear Bono, maybe it's only rabbinic. Rashi explains, Dirsiv, we're expressing our gratitude for the good land that has been given to you. The expression of gratitude for the food is a springboard to recognize all of the gratitude that we have for God, for everything He gives us. He doesn't just give us the food. Think about where that food came from. It had to grow on the ground. Everything that goes into the gifts that we receive from God should be acknowledged. And it's not coincidental. It's in the verse. So the gratitude for the land is part and parcel of the obligation of Birka Samozun. After we've been satisfied from the food, we need to acknowledge, express our indebtedness to God for the land. And here's where Rashi says it's not clear. The land was not given to the women to be divided as an inheritance. Say, hey, I remember, they did get an inheritance in the land. Famous five. Their portion was really their father's portion. As well, correct. Really, the inheritance was given to those who left Egypt, and they didn't have it by right of their own accord. It was their father's. And by his own sins, he died. They inherited it in his stead, but it was for him. And as you mentioned, it could not interfere with a tribal state. It had to be contiguous. It could not be given over to another tribe. So therefore, it's a suffix. Tosus is not happy with Rashi. doesn't like that being the point of why this is a, a question. I would have thought, women are not obligated biblically, because of the good land, 
Mash not move, but no slavka chelik avian not. Vitema says Tosus, this is a wonder. Kohanim ulavim nami. Tiboy, why are we only asking about women? If this really is the issue, then we should also include in our question are Kohanim ulavim required to bench Yerkasamazim on a biblical level? Sharei lo not chelik Not just the women who got cut out of an inheritance. Kohanim Levim also didn't get an inheritance in the land of Israel. And nowhere do we find anybody presenting as a question, are Kohanim and Levim obligated in Berkha Samozun Midor Raisa? But they get the benefit of food specifically from the land as another form of inheritance. True. True. That's a good point. And many come to Rashi's defense and say, along the lines of what you're saying, that even though they didn't get their own inheritance directly within the land, they were given 48 cities. So it's indirect. And, and they it's were given Truma and Meiser. Right, from, from all the lands, right? So that's, that is a very good point. Al-Kopanim Tosos is not happy with this being the issue. Another discussion is Geirim. Geirim also don't have a chalik in Eretz Yisrael. Are they obligated to arise? Lo Shamano, that they are not. So that would be another area. In theory, Tulsa doesn't mention this as a kasha on Rashi. It's a strong kasha. We do find, mind you, that La'asit Lovo Geirim will have a chalik in Eretz Yisrael. So it could be Al Shema Asid. Okay, who who has their tribal hand? You know now their own farm. Who knows what their own tribe is? Most people do not. So anyway, that doesn't knock out the misvadaraisa. We don't say nowadays benching is rabbanon. Shaykh to the nachla of Eretz Yisrael. That's good enough. So it could be Al Shema Asid is also enough. In any event, Tosus is not happy with Rashi. Right, that if this is correct, then a Kohen or a Levi should not be able to be Motzi, help Yisra fulfill his obligation by benching for him. Elegeshlomar says Tosus an alternative reason. It also says that we're expressing gratitude for the covenant that is stamped on our flesh, Rismila. Now this is something that is unique to males. And says so, so that's why there's a question about women over here. Sounds pretty reasonable. Says so, so further, And on your Torah of it, you have taught us. Vinoshim lasno lo bebris lo batera. Noshim are not included in the mitzvah of Mila of circumcision, and also not in Torah. We have to understand what that means. Why are women not included in Torah? So if you take a look in Shulchan Aruch, which Torah, right? Torah, yeah. So, 
If you look at Shulchan Arach, we find that a woman should make Birkas HaTara. So it sounds like there's some sivui going on. What gives? The Beis Yosef is working on the case. On one level, the modern Kedushin does speak out that the mitzvah to teach Torah is to your sons and not to your daughters. That's the drasha. So women are, are excluded. The girl brings it over there. Excluded or not obligated? Excluded from the obligation. But yet, they make a blessing, says the Beis Yosef, there are two reasons why. One, ladies have to know the mitzvahs. And there's no way to know the mitzvahs if you don't have some Torah. So in theory, a lady could just download into her brain the knowledge she would not have to learn. If she learned it before, she picked it up one way or another, all the mitzvahs, she's good to go. A man is obligated in the learning, even if it's not l'shem mitzvahs. Don't we see Torah sinachah? I'll teach Torah that's right. As we saw, that's, uh, the Gemara interprets that as Knesset Yisrael, as, as the, the leadership of the sages of the Jewish people. So, in a, in a sense, it's a heksha mitzvah, if you will. A woman will have to make Birkas HaTarah, but it's not for itself, not Torah for its own sake. It's Torah to know what to do, what not to do. That's one explanation of the Beis Yosef. He's quoting. And another idea, very, very important. It says, a lady has to make Birkas HaTarah because of Karbanos. Pashas HaKarbanos. lady has to say Karbanos. And if she's going to say Karbanos, it's Psokim in the Torah. So she has to make a Birkos of because of that. It's another mitzvah, right? Agav Tefillah. The Karbanos is a source of blessing. But it's, it's, it's words of the Torah. Karbanos. So those are two reasons why ladies make Birkos of Even though... Torah for its own sake, not as a utilitarian means of keeping the, the mitzvos, is not an obligation for women. So two solid alternates that Tosos has against Rashi. We have to know, why is Rashi not going for this? Sounds pretty good, no? Apparently Rashi is not happy with these reasons. He's busy with the inheritance of the land of Israel. He continues, Now, the question being posed in the Gemara is, since they are not able to say, because of the covenant, the, the bris, and the Torah, they'll have a limited bonus. So therefore, their connection to Birkas HaMosim, women's connection is only rabbinic. Oh, Dilma, or perhaps, since they are not within the obligation of Mila or Torah, they're still in biblically. It's just can write NA, not applicable. For those who it applies to, they have to mention bris and Torah. That's for the men. Those who are not, so they don't have to mention it. 
Rabbinically, they do. Part of the text. For the broader connection to the Jewish people, the men, not half, half men, but for themselves, Tosa says maybe women are obligated biblically because of the food and the land, but not because of these reasons. And these reasons will just not be applicable to women. That's how Tosas explains the suffix. So we, we already did explain why women are shaykh to Torah. As we saw, Beis Yosef quotes, women do make birkas to either through mitzvos, that's enough of a connection, or for carbon, ashes, carbon tamid, carbonos. But what about bris? This seems to be a very challenging hurdle. Why is Rashi not happy with this reason for excluding women? They're not shach to bris. So if you look in the Tosos Yishonim, in Yavamas, it's a little bit involved, so I just want to pull out the, the part that's most relevant for us. Since by the mothers, our ancestors, they didn't have Milo, how did they leave Taurus Aurel? The status of being uncircumcised. Whoa! How did our mothers leave the status of being uncircumcised? Pretty wild. Why would they need to leave the status of being uncircumcised? They should be mufka. Totally not anything to do with bris or not bris. They don't have the anatomy. The bishlama the avos by our forefathers. Discussing the process of conversion, the broader context here. Even though the men did not do the immersion, which is one of the necessary components for conversion, that took place by Matan Torah, by the giving of the Torah. Machlokis, if even Mila is enough for Gerus. We pass in that, I mean Mila and Tevila for men. But the Tosa Sishonim says that they left the status of RL. They are not considered uncircumcised. Already. Before Matantara. Kedelecho Pesach, in order to eat the Paschal lamb, was offered and brought in Egypt. One cannot partake of the Paschal Lamb if they have a foreskin. It ha- an RL is out. It's ex- explicit in the Torah. They're not even full Jews yet. They're going through the conversion, national conversion process. It's where conversion is based on the process of Jewish people getting the Torah. So they already did Mila to eat carbon Pesach. They didn't do Tfila yet, but they already are no longer... Really. They're not uncircumcised. You're talking about that, not now. I'm talking about then, right. We, we derived from what happened then the general process for all the generations of, of conversion. But we're looking at what they did. They left the status of Aurelian. They're not yet fully Jewish. They didn't yet dunk in the mikvah. But 
They cut off the Arla, foreskin's gone. They can eat carb Pesach, interesting, even though they're not fully Jewish, but apparently, obviously that's the case. So, that's, that's the way, Mashman let be sure, that's what Tosos Yishonim says, a remarkable thing, that the ladies had to do a tevila to get rid of their own status as being uncircumcised. And we find conversely, by Jewish women, that command the Mahalyadami, they're considered circumcised. But this is a bigger Kiddush, that until they undergo mikvah, they're considered uncircumcised. So now we could see why Rashi is not going for this idea that Tosus presents. Even Jewish women are shaykh to bris. Although the text in Benching is our flesh. Correct. In our flesh, in the, right. in the broader sense right. that... Uh, <laughs> Your uh, flesh goes into mikvah. I mean, God created... Uh, Adam is man and woman. But yes, that, that's, that is correct in the text. It's the normal way of having a milah, is, is right. on the flesh. But being considered not a Raylan, considered a Gamal, that's also applicable to Jewish women. Is it possible to go to Mikvah without your body warming? No. And, and in fact, we find, even though it's not considered a mitzvah, generally speaking, it's not considered a mitzvah for a woman to do Mila for her son. Gemara and Kedushin, also close to that Gemara that says women are not Chayav and Terah, it also says about Mila, it's not a woman's responsibility, it's the father's responsibility to do the circumcision for the son. However, we find that women are included in Mila to a certain extent. If you look at Rabbeinu Hanano in Yuma, not sure exactly where, hey or Vav, somewhere around there, he says, that the reason why things went pretty rough with Moshe Rabbeinu getting swallowed up by this snake is because Tzipara was lazy in doing the Mila. Tzipara, it's her responsibility. She's a lady. Apparently, it's her mitzvah also. Her husband comes first, but she's next in line. She should have done it. He's busy with working on the hotel reservation. She should do the Mila. So her being lazy is why he's getting in trouble. That's what he says. But I thought she did do it. Well, she... It, required a little bit of uh, scare tactics. She did do it. Started at least. Right? The Gemara says maybe she didn't finish. Okay. But that's his lotion. She's an atzal. She's lazy in doing it. Can you believe that? So that means she's required. Pill plum. Why is she required? Rashi also. Rashi says in Yavam that it's a mitzvah for the father and mother to do Milo. So... Kinira, the mother is secondarily required to do the Mila. Shaykh's a mitzvah of Mila. In the flesh of her son. Right. Okay, we were working on the mitzvahs over here. Just continue some of these mitzvahs in the parasha. Labas HaGerim. We're obligated to love Gerim. Baptim. Es Hager. Pretty straightforward. The extent of this love is pretty amazing. 
the Chinuch says that a person is not required to be like a silent, cold stone if somebody attacks them, socks them in the face. You can hit back. That's not called taking vengeance. It's called, we're fighting. Vengeance is where the guy's plotting his revenge. In the, the heat of the fight, that's just called fighting. But, Menachos Chinoch entertains the possibility, by Eger, too bad. Just said that not in the midst, not in the midst of Ava, but Lasonu. It could be that a person is stuck. When it comes to Eger, just have to grin and bear it. Pretty much. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay, God loves a Gerim, we have to love a Gerim. Lira Tamid, Me'el, to always be afraid of God, blessed be He, to be in terror from Him, that He is as divine providence and judges those that transgress His will. As the verse states, the Lord your God you shall fear. The, the way the verse phrases it is pretty interesting. In the beginning of Hamishi, And now, Israel, what is it that the Lord your God asks of you? Fascinating way of speaking shoel, like a request. You can say mensaven, normally it's a command. It is a command. It sounds like he's, he's borrowing it from you. Remarkable thing. Ki'im lira es just to fear the Lord your God. Olechas b'chol drachav, to go in all of his ways. Olavoso, love him too. Olavot es adonai lecha b'chol avavcha, b'chol nefshecha, to love him with all your heart and all your soul. That's it, nothing more. Very small request. This is unique. That God asks us as a request, a borrowing, if you will, Yira Shemaim. That is something that we can give God. Everything else, all the missives in the Torah, we only give him from what is his. You have a son, do a milah. You have a house, put on a mezuzah. You have an arm, put on tefillin. You have money, give tzedakah. God says, you have first fruits, you have a crop, give, give something. It's all giving from what you have received. Here is a borrowing. To have fear of God, be it being God-fearing, you don't have to be given anything for that. So it's, a sh- it's a show, it's borrowing. God is saying, I'm borrowing from you. <coughs> Normally, you're just giving me from my own. Yir Shemaim, Kol Shemaim, everything is in the hand of heavens, the Gemara says, Chutz Mir Shemaim, except for the fear of heaven. Fear of heaven, that's in our hands. God is asking, can I borrow it? Have some Yir Shemaim. It's a mitzvah. Why does it say, Ma, Ma, Adonai Lech Hashol Meimach? The Rem is, Ma is 45. Mem, 40, Hey, 5. There are 45 days between Tuba Av and Rosh Hashanah. So, it's time to beef up on offering God Yerushalayim to develop within ourselves what we can give God to be signed and sealed in a book of life 
on Yom Adin, that's the Remez Ma, the time to increase in Yerushalayim, in anticipation of Yom Adin. And the next missile we have, to pray every day. This is controversial, whether that's a mitzvah or not. Ramam holds it is. Ban says, maybe not. Unless it's in a time of great need. To cleave to the sages of the Torah. Amitim, the true ones, not the fakers. To cleave to him. How do you cleave to God? The Gemara Suba said, how do you cleave to God? Cleave to Torah scholars. They, they have the knowledge of God. God and His knowledge are one. That is the way that we can cleave to God. And to swear in His name. When necessary. To show that something is true. Or to deny something. Swearing in God's name is a way of... It's a very weighty thing to do. But at a time of need, it's a way of, of giving a proof to something. As much as God is true... What I'm saying is true. That is, is also a Torah that one should take with caution, but when necessary, that is, that is a, a mitzvah.